Welcome to Pop Culture on the Rocks. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pop Culture on the Rocks. I am here with the fabulous Callan, and my name is Anna, and we are just having a fantastic time recording another episode. We hope that you're excited too. Callan, how are you? You know, I'm okay. I had a very long week, but excited to be back here with you, you know, as always. And I'll go ahead and give the disclaimer that if my voice sounds odd, which maybe it doesn't, I don't know. It's because the allergies in Mississippi are really getting bad. So Mm -hmm. yeah, sorry in advance. We got that pollen. Everything out there is coated in yellow. (laughs) Yes, I know noticed that today I was like oh it does not feel great I know and it bums me out because I really love spring because I love like when we can actually get that perfect temperature which Mm -hmm. you know we might only get for a few days so it's awesome to be outside but I hate when allergies like mess that up and then you don't want to be outside it's like there's no good time here (laughs) to go outside but it's okay yeah it's a rough time but we'll make it through. Well, have you made a beverage for yourself? I have. So between this drink and my allergies, I should be uh, really, really feeling good. And (laughs) if I don't make any sense today, that's probably why. I have some Prosecco, which I know you've had on some episodes before and we've talked about the Lamarca brand Mm -hmm. which is our favorite and that's really usually the only one that I see people drinking but I have the one from Costco and it's the Kirkland brand which I think is like their kind of generic brand and it's really good it's a little bit cheaper than Lamarca but the flavor is fairly similar so you know if you're already at Costco then grab a bottle you know yeah might as well it's nice to have a little bubble (laughs) (laughs) a little bubble in your life yeah nothing wrong with that yeah just to feel a little festive how about you what you got I am having a margarita once again Mm -hmm. however I have had it frozen Mm. I have a magic bullet So this is my first time making it frozen. And of course it is fantastic. However, it is now melted because like we said, it is springtime here in the South. And if you've ever podcasted before, it's probably a good idea to cut off your noisy air conditioner. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that probably doesn't help with the ice, but it's still a good, a good drink. That AC popping on in the background, you get a little vroom vroom so (laughs) you gotta cut it off and uh yeah I'm sorry if that melted your margarita but no it's okay you know it's funny because I used to like probably before 2020 I was a real snob about margaritas like I only ever got them frozen Mm -hmm. like at a restaurant would only ever get them and then we learned how to make frozen ones at home my parents have a Vitamix so when I would go over there we'd get really good frozen margaritas but in 2020 you know my margarita kick started we found that mix and I've been drinking them on the rocks ever since there you go Yeah, I feel like if I go out, I'd probably still order a frozen just because it's a little bit more trouble to make, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel. It's kind of like the frozen's a little more elevated, especially Mm -hmm. if it's in like one of those machines that like stirs the the ice real well. Yeah. So I'm with you. I love it both ways. And this is my first time obviously making it frozen at my house. And 
it was did not sustain the cold very well (laughs) yeah i'm glad you tried it though at home so i'm sure if you were gonna drink it immediately then it would be good and i will add that i used to love the magic bullet infomercials Like, I would stay up late and watch the paid programming of it. Oh, wow. Did you ever see it? No. (laughs) This is the life I lived, people, okay? As a uh, kid, middle school, high schooler, I was staying up late, literally watching the Magic Bullet infomercial. (laughs) The way they did it, it was like this couple, and they had the Magic Bullet at their house, and all their neighbors came over. It was like a Saturday morning or something, and all these people were just dropping in. Mm -hmm. And so they were showing them all these things they can make. So they were making like one guy a smoothie. They'd make like like a scrambled egg, like an omelet situation for one guy. You know, they'd show you all these (laughs) different things like serving their neighbors this early morning. And all their neighbors had like quirky personalities. So I don't know. As far as infomercials go, I feel like that is an iconic one. So let me know if you have also watched it. (laughs) Anyone out there? I mean, yeah, that sounds memorable and way more enjoyable to watch, I feel like. Yeah, and I mean, when I see Magic Bullet, I think of that infomercial. So it did its job. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's an iconic piece of pop culture. So I had to throw that in there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really sad that I've missed it, but I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. So I'm sure anyone can find it. Yes, I can share it with anyone who would like the link. Well, do you have anything to share as far as other than a magic bullet infomercial that you've been watching? Yeah, unfortunately, it's been a long time since I've seen that. So I might have to, (laughs) you know, reacquaint myself with it. Yeah, I was going to mention a couple things. The first one is a song that I've really been into. So I thought I would just throw it in here. Yeah, I am loving the Ed Sheeran song Afterglow. It is like my new sing out all my feelings in the car song. There we go. (laughs) You know, everybody needs that one. Ed is very good at that, I think. Oh, he is. Just passionate. (laughs) I feel like he has that real emphasis on his songs, you know? Like, you feel like you are singing those words. You're singing them. It's true. He speaks to my soul. Yes, he's he's really good. And I've liked him for years. And I saw him in concert, I guess, in 2018, probably. And he was fantastic. I'm not really sure when Afterglow came out, but it's been on the radio a lot. So a lot of people have probably heard it but if not you need to listen it's kind of a slower song than his usual like kind of upbeat acoustic songs not quite as like fast-paced lyrically as he's kind of known for but really sweet lyrics of course I think he has great lyrics all the time I just really love the tune so I mean it's one of those songs that I was actually singing it in the car today, thinking this, and, you know, I feel like this is a safe space, so I don't mind um, (laughs) exposing myself, as I often do on here. But, you know, we want to be relatable, so let me know if anybody else has ever thought this, but it's one of those songs, like, I am single, I'm not in a relationship, I'm not dating, but I'm like, you know, this would be a great song to be, like, our song. Like, even, like, a (laughs) wedding song, I think it would be great for that, because it's just so sweet so it's one of those it's like wow this is a great our song even though right now it's just me (laughs) that's not weird I feel like I've been there as well okay good thank you yeah yeah I think a lot of people would say that if you have someone to share the song with or if it's just you 
then I just recommend turning it on and seeing how you feel. Now that I've hyped it up a lot, yeah, check it out. It's good. And then the other day, look at me watching something like right when it comes out. I watched uh, Raya, the new Disney movie. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot. It kind of felt fast. Which I feel like whenever I go back and watch like a Disney princess movie, it it's like, oh, wow, this is like shorter than I thought. But when right. you're a kid, you know, it feels long. But yeah, I think it was really, it was cool. It was really different. Um, and I really hadn't seen a ton of trailers or anything. So I honestly had no idea what the plot was going to be like. It's set in Southeast Asia. And I know that the voice actress of Raya is the first Southeast Asian woman to star in a Disney movie. So I think that's really cool. I like when they show a different culture, different types of people and all that. So that was cool. I won't give anything away since it is pretty new, but it had some really funny moments, um, some sweet moments. And there were a few aspects of the movie that I thought were a lot different than any other Disney movie I've seen. Oh, okay. Kind of the setup was different and then the ending was, yeah, different than any other way I've seen them into film. So that Hmm. was kind of cool to change it up a little bit. You know, I wouldn't put it in my top, but I enjoyed it and I think you know, if you're into like classic Disney movies, then it's worth watching at least once. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's good to know. I've definitely been curious to see it and I haven't yet. But that's good to know. I haven't really seen any previews either. Like, I haven't seen trailers for it and I haven't seen reviews Mm -hmm. from anyone. So that's good to know. I think it's always good to have a little bit of a fresh look at some stories. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes it's not, it's nice to get out of the cookie cutter storyline. It is nice. And I will say one thing that I don't think is a spoiler is that there's no romantic like storyline or no love interest. And that too was different from most Disney princess movies. Right. So I thought that was that was kind of cool to focus on something else besides love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Give us some other themes. Yeah, just change it up a little bit. So I thought it was cool. Very cool. Well, actually, I was going to talk about a book that I finished pretty recently. I know, changing it up. Talking about a song, talking about a book. I love, love it. I (laughs) know. Yeah, so I am a big fan of Audible, as I think I've discussed on here. And actually, thanks to Callan for the person who gave me my Audible subscription for Christmas last year. Mm -hmm. So the most recent book that I finished on there was Wild flower by drew barrymore oh cool yeah and before i read it like i really didn't know anything that was going to happen other than i figured it was an autobiography (laughs) that's basically all i knew and i really like drew barrymore i know bits and pieces of her past being a child actor and like where she is now and i've vaguely remember watching like her e true hollywood story back in the day so (laughs) I feel like I had a little bit frame of reference, but this was like very different. It's actually a collection of autobiographical essays, which is really cool. I didn't know that going in. So I feel like that's helpful to know if you're interested in reading it or listening to it. Yeah. Because so it's like basically broken up into chapters and you know, the chapter has a specific topic. And so it's talking about either a time period in her life, a specific person, 
something like that. Like the first three chapters, it kind of felt like it was all over the place. Like it didn't start from one timeline or like go on. So I was really confused by that. So it makes a lot more sense uh-huh. <laughs> now knowing that it's a collection of essays and not just like her autobiography straight through. It actually came out in 2015 and she apparently wrote, I'm assuming it's an autobiography and I think she probably got some assistance writing it. I don't know if she did for this one. Like Little Girl Lost from 19, something time in the 90s, early 90s, I'm assuming. You know, she was way younger then. So I think it talked about a lot of her addictions and that whole journey that she went through with that. So Wildflower, it doesn't touch a ton on that that she went through. It was more so like optimistic and kind of talks about her relationships with other people like Cameron Diaz, Steven Spielberg, like back when she was doing E.T. She like touches on her mom and dad. Her dad was like pretty absent from her life, but like they reconnected when he got really sick. And her mom, if you don't really know her story, she was emancipated at 14 years old. That was whenever like that whole deal went down where like her moms took her to like Studio 54 and like she was doing drugs and alcohol since, I don't know, it was like six years old or something crazy. Yeah. She didn't really talk too much about like rehab or anything like that, but she did have a chapter on living by herself for the first time at 14 and like how that was a struggle already being a teenager but then being a child actor who's kind of like quote-unquote washed up and like you know people don't really expect a ton out of so that was really cool and kind of like how she developed into the actress that she is today one of my Actually, it's not one of my, my all-time favorite Drew Barrymore movie and one of my top five probably movies is Ever After that she did. I don't know. I think she was early 20s, I believe. She may have even been like 18 or 19. I'm not really sure. But that movie she talks about and how she felt like that movie kind of turned around her career to where she was seen as an adult and a dramatic actress without being seen as you know, having these other problems in her everyday life that she's conquered. So that was really cool. I really liked that. She talks about Jimmy Fallon, her relationship with him and his wife, Nancy, and also about her relationship with Adam Sandler and how they met was really cool. Their story is really interesting. At this point, she was married to Will Copelman, I think is his name. And she has two really sweet chapters where she's writing basically a letter to her two daughters, Olive and Frankie. Oh, and that's really sweet. So I definitely recommend it. Obviously, it's a little bit older. So there is some there are some things that are unfortunately she did divorce that guy. But um, I mean, she's still a mom. She's still an actress, a CEO, director, like all this crazy stuff. She is a true boss lady. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're like even remotely interested in Drew Barrymore, I would suggest reading it or listening to it. The audible version is her reading. Oh, cool. So I feel like that makes it even more fun because it's just kind of like she puts her own tone to like what she's written yeah yeah so that makes it more fun but you know if you are a physical book reader then I still suggest it I'm definitely curious to 
read Little Girl Lost just because I'm sure the tone will be very different than where it is now. But she is just so cool. Like, talk about someone who has defied the odds and, like, created a beautiful life for herself. So, snaps to Drew. Yes. First (laughs) of all, I love the name Drew for a girl. I think it is so cute. It is. I feel like I've known who she is my entire life, basically. Yeah. (laughs) She's one of those people that's just been around forever. And I have always liked her because, for one, she just seems so normal. Like, for a celebrity, Mm -hmm. an actress, she just seems relatable. She seems normal. I just, I, I appreciate that about her. And it's kind of funny because her life has been anything but normal. Right. <laughs> you yes, know? How true. I saw some post or article the other day just about how she was an addict at 11. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard about her going to the nightclubs and everything as a kid. And it's just so, such a weird thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Just seeing her now, you wouldn't guess, I feel like, that she lived that crazy of a life. And yeah, I just, I like a lot of her movies. Never Been Kissed is like one of my favorites. That one is I great. Love, yeah, I love that one. <laughs> and so many more. So, yeah, I would definitely be interested because I just think her story is fascinating. It really is. Yeah, she's an incredible person. I feel like she's a person who would be a pleasure to meet in real life. And I cannot say that about every celebrity. Uh, sadly not. (laughs) Yeah. Some people you just are like, don't meet your heroes kind of thing. Exactly. But I think she'd be cool. And yeah, I like Olive. I think that's a cute name. Right? I think so too. It's so cute. I think it's just precious. When she said that, I was like, that's such an adorable name. I think that it's one of those good celebrity kids names. It's a little unique, but it's really cute. Yeah, not too weird. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I, okay, I'm going to admit this to you, that okay. while I was in the car listening to Wildflower, she uh-huh. has a great quote in her book talking about how love is like the amazing race. And I cannot remember the exact quote. And if anyone out there can help me find it, that would be great. What? But I really did not want to read the book again. And I was like, oh, I'll just like, when I get to work, I'll jot it down. Obviously, I forgot (laughs) like the specific wording. And so I like, I felt like I Googled everything. I was like, Drew Barrymore, Wildflower, Love is Like the Amazing Race, blah, 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 blah. And Google's just like, I don't know what you want here. So. Dang it. Like literally the show she was referencing? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Well, maybe not specifically, but, like, it sounded like it was. That's okay if not. I mean, she didn't come out and say, like, the CBS Viacom Amazing Race (laughs) show is, like, romantic love. (laughs) But I don't remember. Either way, we have to know this quote. Yeah, so I'm a little annoyed. So, yeah, if you read the book, that would probably be the best way to do it. I guess... I'm just dumb is basically what happened because I was like, surely this quote's going to be on Google. So I just like kept reading the book and like didn't worry about it. And then come to like, I knew I was going to talk about today. (sighs) And yeah, I can't find it anywhere. So maybe it's on Goodreads. Have you looked on there? Hmm, That's true. Usually yeah, a lot so. of those those have, like, people put in quotes and stuff from the book. So I'll, I'll help you look. That would be great. Yeah. We'll definitely have to have to post the quote if, we f- if and when we find mm-hmm. 
exactly yes we, sp- <laughs> we speak positively here <laughs> yes we do speak it into existence yeah but like drew barrymore was saying we love the amazing race <laughs> we do. do you have a reason why we should be on this show that we love so much i do and i kind of i feel like i alluded to it earlier and Maybe some people will say this is a stretch, but look, we do this every week and we (laughs) have to get creative sometimes, even though I feel like we will never run out of reasons, but it's true. My reason this week is, and just go with me. I'm ready. Living in Mississippi, we deal with all sorts of climate changes, okay? Mm. And I'm I'm not talking about, we do deal with climate change, period. Yes. Correct. (laughs) We are pro save the environment here, but that's not where I'm going with this. I mean, if you've listened to the last few episodes, one day, you know, not that long ago, we had the snow and ice apocalypse. True. And we do want to bring awareness to the fact that many, many, many people in Jackson, Mississippi, our state capital, are Mm -hmm. still without water. And I think that's unacceptable. They have been under a boil water notice for a month now, almost Mm -hmm. a month. It's just crazy. So definitely um, look into some resources and we can share some on our page about um, how you can help them. But it's a real problem. I mean, that's the capital of our state. And I just think it's unacceptable. So it is. Um, but anyway, so we dealt with all of that, the ice and the snow. And then as I mentioned earlier, now we are into nice 70 degree weather and the pollen (laughs) is out. The flowers are blooming and the allergies are kicking in. If you don't know Mississippi very well, which probably many people do not, (laughs) um, (laughs) in the summer we have, Uh, crazy heat like it's super humid first of all and then we go into you know 100 degree weather get so hot you could put an egg on the sidewalk and it would cook (laughs) and then in the winter you don't know if you're getting snow which is usually rare for us or ice or if you can go outside wearing shorts so it's just very unpredictable all year round honestly that's true I'm trying to think of the quote my grandfather used to say oh I think he told me (laughs) one time that if you don't like the weather in Mississippi, just wait till tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and it's very true. Like, it, it, it changes on a dime. I think we have tornadoes right. coming this week. So stay tuned for that. But yeah. anyway, on The Amazing Race, if you've never watched it, they travel from country to country and In one country, they could be in parkas in the snow, you know, like a Norway Mm -hmm. or Sweden type place. They've been there before. Next thing you know, they're in India or Africa where the heat is sweltering, like they are dripping sweat. And this is like days apart. And obviously, (laughs) those are quite extreme temperatures, but neither one of us have grown up living in like a Florida or maybe California is a better example of kind of like the same weather all year long Mm -hmm. it's just all over the place so I feel like we're ready for whatever country whatever climate we go to um because we've kind of seen it all at random times here and there yeah I think that's a great one because a lot of people are not prepared for that yeah especially like their bodies I feel like you know our bodies are not made for that we always want homeostasis so Mm -hmm. I feel like our bodies are a little more able to adapt 
to that kind of fluctuation. Exactly. And around here, it's really normal for a lot of people to get like a cold or sick at one time because the weather's changing. And that's, Mm -hmm. if you ask somebody what's wrong, they'll say, you know, it's just the weather changing. (laughs) So yeah. Our bodies, yeah, our bodies are used to adapting quickly. So, yes, I I think um, we have a leg up. I would think so, too. I agree with that. That's a good one. Cool. All right. Well, I care a lot about The Amazing Race. Mm -hmm. And I recently (laughs) watched I Care A Lot. Wow. How perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. I know. (laughs) I'm very curious to hear about this because I watched the trailer whenever it came on Netflix and I was intrigued, but I really was unsure how to feel about it. So I'm just glad you watched it and to can tell me. Yeah. And it's I feel like it's kind of rare when like I actually watch something that like people are talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually I wait a long while or I'm just like, eh, I'll get to it later. Right. But one afternoon, one evening, I was like, I'm gonna watch a movie and I was flipping through through Netflix and I saw that this was like in the top 10 that week or whatever. And I've seen a couple people talk about it online. So I was curious and I really didn't want to get spoilers. So Uh I was like, all right, let's do it. I Care A Lot is obviously a Netflix original that premiered February 2021. So very recent. And it stars our girl... Rosamund Pike. Hey, girl. AKA Jane Bennett from 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Holla. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, when we talk about, we say Jane. Like, we know who yeah. Jane is. <laughs> we know her she, real name, but she'll be Jane yes, to us. Forever. She is my definitive Jane Bennett for sure. Mm-hmm. And she has made a great career for herself. I mean, she has played very different characters. I mean, hello, even yeah. compared to uh, this person. Mm-hmm. very different and great job to her because she won a golden globe for best actress for this movie so if that oh, tells good. you anything she did yeah. really great with that awesome yeah so i'm gonna kind of take you through the whole plot of the movie and just kind of give you like a synopsis i will let you know when i hit like in my opinion is the climax of the movie and if you do not care to know the spoilers of the ending, then we will put that in the notes for you to skip over. But I feel like with a movie especially, I feel like it's hard to like talk about it without giving everything away because I'd only probably be talking for like 10 minutes and maybe some people are like, Anna, you really should only talk for 10 minutes. I don't know. But (laughs) (laughs) so I'm just, I'm going to do my best (laughs) to give us a pretty good synopsis, try my best to, um, you know, work on my like audio uh, skills. (laughs) Obviously not (laughs) off to a good start. (laughs) Uh, I did remember seeing that it got an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. And I looked up just kind of curious, like what the critics and what the audiences kind of thought. And it seems a bit mixed from what I've read. It's mostly positive, but kind of like an 80%, you know, there's a 20% that are kind of like, meh, I don't know about this. Mm-hmm. I personally enjoyed it. I'm in the 80%. So the movie opens with a dialogue of Jane, as we call her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically she's saying there are two types of people in this world. There are predators and there are prey. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a super great, like, let's dig deep into the themes and imagery of this movie. I'm not very good at that. I do try. And... <sighs> I don't know. 
there's just sometimes things fly over my head. But I did try my best to kind of pick out some themes that I feel like were prevalent in this movie. And I feel like if I can pick them out, then the average person probably could because I'm pretty <laughs> average. Um, I did not do really any like deep digging as far as like people really like dissecting the story. So I'm sure there's definitely more to it. But this is just kind of coming from a lay woman's perspective, you know? <laughs> so here we go. All right. So our main character, aka Jane, her name is Marla Grayson. Just remember Marla Grayson because I'm not going to use Jane anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so just remember that. So Marla Grayson, we come on to where we meet her and she explains that she's a professional legal guardian. Basically, you know, vulnerable people and especially the elderly population, maybe their their health is declining in various different ways. And it's seen that they cannot take care of themselves as in they that the healthcare professionals do not feel like they can make the right decisions for themselves and be able to weigh the options. So they present this to the courts and the judge decides if a guardian should be appointed or not. And many a times you would think they would want the guardian to be a family member, but there are cases where family members are not mentally stable, financially stable. They don't have the proper environment to care for this person. So many different, you know, things that can happen. So we come to the movie with where we see Marla in a courtroom with a man named Feldstrom. I think is how you say it. I can't remember. And he has basically taken Marla to court because she is his mother's professional legal guardian. And he thinks that is not right because he says, you know, I'm her son. I should have the ability to make decisions for her. And the courts deemed that he was unfit to care for her. And so they appointed Marla and he's very much so fighting because Marla has taken away his visitation rights. So his mom's living in an assisted living facility and they don't really go into it, but Marla has taken away those rights from him. And unfortunately, the court sides with Marla and so he is unable to see his mother. So that's just kind of an introduction to hmm, the predator that is Marla. Mm. You know, you see her as the predator, as she says at the beginning of the movie. So Marla kind of talks to us basically saying like, this is how my process goes. So Marla meets with a doctor and the doctor says, I found a cherry, quote cherry. And basically a cherry is an elderly person who is rich, financially stable, and they do not have any living relatives. So mm. basically it's like a money grab. So it was really interesting because Marla meets with the doctor and the doctor's like, I know what you do and I want in on some of this money. And so Marla says, okay, well, we need to have, we need to call an emergency court order in order to get this ball rolling. And she says that this lady has dementia, but she can, you know, kind of tweak the test results to make it look like it's more prominent than it already is. Mm. And it's really ironic because she makes like the I feel like the show kind of makes a joke because she talks about like Marla wants to see her records and wants to see like some personal information. And the doctor's like, well, ethically, I can't let you do that. And it's kind of like a joke, like, okay, so you're not gonna break her privacy law, but you're gonna like 
forge her test results so that you can get more money out of her. It's kind of like, wow, that's ironic. Why are you picky about one thing but not the other? Yes. And I do feel like it was very much like the movie saying like, this is very much a double standard. You know, you're still hurting this person. So the doctor and Marla call an emergency hearing and apparently we need to call up your brother because (laughs) Callan's brother is a lawyer and a legal professional. So he may be a good person to advise on this topic to see the validity of all of this. Mm -hmm. But according to the movie, the subject in question does not have to be present at a hearing if it's considered an emergency like court hearing. So this elderly lady, her name is Jennifer Peterson, played by Deanne Weist. Diane Weist? Am I saying that right? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. She looked familiar, so I feel bad if I'm saying her name wrong, but anyway, sorry. Sorry, Miss D. I don't know. So Jennifer Peterson is considered the cherry. So she has no living Uh relatives and is rich. And she's not at this hearing. And basically, you know, they tell the judge she's not fit to care for herself. She does not have any living relatives. So you need to appoint Marla as the professional legal guardian, which the judge agrees and does that. So there's kind of this montage of Marla and Francis, who is kind of like her assistant, but also her girlfriend. And she's played by... Isa Gonzalez. Not sure if I'm saying that right. So Marla comes to Jennifer Peterson's house and surprises her with court papers and basically is like, I'm your guardian now. I'm seizing all of your property and all of your assets. You are coming with me right now and I am taking you to a facility that will keep you safe. And like that moment was like, oh my gosh, that's like terrifying. Because yeah, yeah. so there's this montage where they've surprised her with this and put her into a nursing home. It's very nice. Like, you know, it has great amenities. It's beautiful, all that. But, of course, being in that place, she does not have independence and cannot leave when she wants. And she does not have access to her own cell phone. And then Marla ends up, like, finding all of her belongings and having an estate sale She puts her house on the market, you know, she sells her car, which is like very nice. And she ends up finding a safety deposit box. And when she finds the safety deposit box, she finds a bag full of diamonds. Mm. Yes. (laughs) Same. Nice nice looking diamonds. Yeah. (laughs) And Marla basically is like, these diamonds are not insured. And they basically do not exist in her like world of paperwork. Uh So Marla decides to keep the diamonds for herself. You know. Yeah. Of course. Naturally. (laughs) I mean, a predator would do that. Someone who doesn't really care. Yeah. So then we kind of stumble upon this random guy that we've never met. He walks up to Jennifer's old house that she's no longer living in and finds that Jennifer is not there. So we see this guy drive off. He looks very nervous. And we then see Peter Dinklage. Oh. And there's very much the vibe of like, he... (laughs) is, like, not a good guy. Yeah. (laughs) Like, he's probably, like, a gangster mafia boss or something. Uh Uh-huh. We have not found out what his name is, but in conversations, we find out that Peter Dinklage 
is Jennifer Peterson's son. Oh. Or at least some she's some type of motherly figure to him mm-hmm. is how he refers to her. Mm-hmm. And basically the reason why that strange guy went to her house was because he was going to pick her up to meet Peter Dinklage and they were just going to like have a like a chat, like you know, hang out. <laughs> yeah. And he makes the comment that she's never missed a meeting. So he knows that something's wrong because uh. he she would have told him, you know, I'm moving or whatever the situation may be. Yeah. Because the doctor is the one who said she needed to go into an, a facility. She didn't necessarily need to go yet. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get the impression that, yes, she does have some cognitive delays and probably has like early dementia. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it probably would be acceptable for her to have like a home care assistant or something. Yeah. Like you don't you don't really get the impression that she's very much unaware of where she is and like doesn't know what's going on in her surroundings. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter Dinklage's character, we still don't know his name. <laughs> they basically have intel on all of this. So they find the location of Jennifer at the nursing home. They get intel on Marla and Francis and find out that Marla is her guardian. And Peter Dinklage finds that the diamonds are gone in her safety deposit box. Mm -hmm. So then we meet Dean Erickson, who is basically Peter Dinklage's, Dinklage's attorney. And interesting that it is played by Chris Messina, who is from the Minji Project that I watched many, many a months ago. Ah. So he goes to Dean Erickson, the attorney, goes to Marla and says, I know what you're doing. You need to stop. The people that you're involved with are very dangerous and they can hurt you. And so he offers her, offers her I think, uh, like $150,000. So a pretty good chunk of change. But she says... Well, if you're offering me that much, then Jennifer must be worth much more than 150000 mm. So she says that she's like not concerned with any threats and basically declines to make a deal with his attorney. So yeah. he leaves. Marla goes to Jennifer and you kind of see like a shift in Jennifer because she is very like at the beginning, she was very fearful, like very confused. Like what's going on? Why are you making me leave my home? Why am I in this facility now? Then Marla goes to her and basically is like, who are you? Like, who are you involved with? Who are these people that are going to hurt me? And she says, he's coming. But we never know who he is and still no name. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, I mean, watching it, I was like, okay, it's definitely got to be Peter that she's referring to. Peter Dinklage, a.k.a. I don't know what his name is. (laughs) So Marla gets upset and she's basically like, I'm going to pull a power move. So everyone is in on this. I don't even know what to call it. I, I guess like a huge con of the legal and healthcare system. The facility that Jennifer is staying in, the staff is all in on this whole thing. So she's in charge. Marla tells the facility manager, I want you to raise her medications to where she's basically a zombie. No solid foods, no activities. Like she is staying in her room basically all day, every day. Ooh. Yeah. So we see them go back to the courtroom. Marla is there and Dean Erickson is back, the the gangster lawyer. Uh-huh. <laughs> he comes back. He says that he has statements from a former employee of the doctor who says that there has been guardianship fraud 
and it's been going on for years and that the doctor and Marla like take advantage of all of these people. Marla just kind of like jumps right back and she's like, well, this employee is very upset. She left on bad terms. She's just making this stuff up. Also, Marla says Dean Erickson is not Jennifer Peterson's lawyer because Jennifer Peterson does not have access to visits because she put it that way. And she cannot talk on the phone to anyone. Oh. So the basically the judge is like, well, can you present paperwork that you are her lawyer? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, no. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so you're here just because out of like the kindness of your heart. Uh-huh. So basically it's whole, the whole thing's dropped. We then go to Francis, who is Marla's like assistant. And it kind of feels like they don't really go into Francis's backstory, but it seems like she has some sort of connection with the police. So I don't know if maybe she was a detective in the past or what, but she finds out that Jennifer Peterson is a very meticulously, like, created stolen identity. So they're like all these tax forms, paperwork, so much stuff. But Jennifer Peterson died, like, as an infant. What on earth? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So now they're like, okay, well, we're dealing with something even bigger now. This lady is not who she says she is. So then we go back and we see the stranger guy. So the guy who went to Jennifer's house towards the beginning of the movie. We see him and, like, two other guys. They look very much like minions of, like, a mafia or whatever. Right. So they decide to book a tour of the facility that Jennifer's in. And they say like, oh, we're here to find a facility for our dad. And so we wanted to see what it looks like. Well, long story short, the minions tase the manager and like attack the staff. <laughs> it's a very intense, it's a very intense scene. Uh-huh. There's literally a part where this poor guy and his oxygen tank is like coming down the hallway and there's needless to say, there's like explosion, whatever. It's a very crazy scene, but <laughs> they are trying to take Jennifer out of the facility and basically kidnap her and take uh-huh. her back to Peter Dinklage. You actually see Peter Dinklage in the car in the parking lot, and he is literally waiting for her. And the minion guy, I'm sorry, I don't have any names, so I can't really, I'm just calling him minion. You can picture (laughs) Despicable Me minion if you want. That's fine. Um, They literally make it outside the front door, Jennifer and this minion, and then they are attacked by Marla and Francis. Oh my. So, because basically like, you know, this is all happening and there's been like a huge alert, like the police were called and they were locked down and all this kind of stuff. Right. So the mafia guy gets arrested and Francis or Fran is really what she goes by. She goes to the police and, you know, of course, as any police friend would, gives personal information out to friends. Of course. And (laughs) yeah, and tells Fran that this guy is a drug smuggler who was part of the Russian mafia, and he faked his death, so they all thought he was dead. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Jennifer is up in a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Jennifer ends up going back to the facility that she was in. I'm sure they wanted her back, right? (laughs) They're probably like, get this lady out of (laughs) here. This is spoiler territory. If you do not want to know the climax of the movie and the ending, do not listen to what else I'm about to say. 
Uh, We would love for you to listen to the rest of the podcast, so we will put that for you to skip through the spoiler section. Yeah. So, see you in a minute talking about something completely different. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, shortly after that, Marla is working out as Jane would. Right. Working out, looking fresh, all that stuff. (laughs) She sees on the news that the doctor from the beginning of the movie, the one who said that Jennifer was not fit to make decisions for herself, she has been shot and murdered. Oh. Presumably by these people. Uh Kind of like to send a message, you know? Mm. So Marla, of course, is very upset. And she's like, Jennifer, who the heck are you? What are you involved with? What is with these diamonds that you'll never get? (laughs) And... Basically saying, like, how dare you shoot one of my friends, like, kill one of my friends. Mm -hmm. And an interesting point that Marla makes is she says, I don't lose. And the mob, I call them the mob, the mafia, whatever you want to call them. They do not play fair because they use guns and violence. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of a theme where she's like, I'm playing fair because I'm playing by the quote unquote rules of the law. Mm -hmm. And they are not. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Jennifer attempts to strangle Marla. Mm. <laughs> A strong little 90-year-old woman. She She's getting it, I'm telling you. <laughs> this is put on, you know, footage. So Marla decides to use this footage of her trying to strangle in order to move her to a secure psychiatric facility because mm. she is deemed as violent. Mm-hmm. So she moves there and Peter Dinklage gets the news about that and of course is not very happy. So Marla ends up getting kidnapped (laughs) (laughs) and goes to this like very like off the grid kind of place. So Peter and Marla meet and Marla basically is like, I think your name is Roman because the guy who just got arrested, the one that tried to break out jennifer from the building he was part of the russian mafia and faked his death and you i think also faked your death in a fire and your name is roman because he was kind of like the head honcho of this mafia and he does not deny it and says basically yes that he faked his death and he got like a new identity for his mother to keep her safe kind of deal so marla says i don't want any trouble i want 10 million (laughs) dollars and i will make this all go away like basically i'll get rid of the guardianship you can have your mom back we'll get this all figured out just give me 10 million Mm dollars roman aka peter dinklage so we got his name now so i'm gonna use roman now so (laughs) thank you picture a roman soldier if you want that's fine (laughs) roman says no I'm not paying you $10 million. I have that much money, but I'm not going to give it to you. Right. And he says, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) And he's like, kill her, quote unquote, organically. Okay. Okay. I, this is the frustrating part for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they don't organically kill the doctor. Like literally she's shot and murdered. Right. But they decide, I guess, to, like, not have this sort of, like, trail, I guess, to be like, oh, well, the doctor's dead and now Marla's dead, whatever. I guess that's the reason. Right. So they decide to drug Marla and basically, like, rig her car to where it looks like she has driven off a cliff and has died in a lake. 
Oh. Well, this is a crazy movie. And the minute she hits the water, bam, she's awake. And she is like, oh, I'm fighting out of this car. (laughs) And she busts out of the car. She ends up walking to a gas station and somehow has like $50. So she ends up like getting all this stuff that she needs. And she ends up getting a taxi, goes back to her apartment that she shares with Fran She finds that her apartment has been broken into Mm -hmm. and Fran is on the floor beaten up and the gas stove has been on. So carbon dioxide stuff Uh is going on here. Uh So she pulls Fran out of the out of the kitchen and like far away from the carbon dioxide. And what do you know? Fran's alive, too. She's got (laughs) some good lungs in there. So they end up running. They get in their car and drive away and as they drive away the apartment blows up naturally sucks for everybody else that was in the building yeah well we don't care about them (laughs) we care a lot but not about them (laughs) yes (laughs) so they end up going to a like one of the houses of another case that she has so another like elderly person that she's taken their house and is trying to sell it so it's just an empty house so they end up going there trying to decide Are we going to keep the diamonds and run away or are we going to try to take this head on? Well, they decide to take it head on. Shocker, because she's a predator, right? Right. Going to go for her prey. So they end up finding kind of their headquarters. Somehow she gets a taser, which I guess maybe that's not very hard to get. I don't know. She tases like his staff. So like he has like a security guard and a driver. She ends up like doing that to them And she drugs Roman and takes him in the car. And she ends up burning the vehicle that they were in. And at first you're kind of like, oh, is Roman in there? And she's going to like burn him or something. No, Roman is naked in the middle of the woods. And a runner who just so happened to be running by finds Roman. And Roman is in the hospital now with a feeding tube and all these kind of like wires and stuff hooked up. He wakes up to see Marla sitting on the edge of his bed saying that she's so sad that Roman tried to overdose and thankfully he was saved and found by this runner. And since he is a John Doe, you know, they're gonna have to have a professional legal guardian for him because... He couldn't speak for himself while he was in, I assume, some kind of coma or something. So she's trying to like, you know, get her power play. And she's like, okay, remember that $10 million that I mentioned? That's what I want. Because money is power. And if I have $10 million, I can have the power to do what I want to do. So Roman ends up basically healing from his throat issues (laughs) and so he can now talk thankfully roman says i'll do you one better let's go into a partnership and make bucket loads of money we'll make more than 10 million dollars we will make our own like network of guardianship providers Mm. so like healthcare, legal staff you know all that kind of stuff and make your own people who are all in it but She will be the CEO and they will be co-founders of this company. What do you know? It's, I I, see, this is me trying to be like a cool, like film evaluator. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) 
<laughs> this is a symbol of the Russian mafia teaming up with a quote-unquote good person, you know, yeah. kind of yeah. coming together, yeah. but they're still doing dirty even though it's playing by the quote-unquote rules. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So we kind of get a montage again where basically Marla is very much famous now. She is one of the richest women in the world and she's on the front of Forbes magazine. She's on all of these interviews talking about what great work she does, how many people she's taking care of now. And you see her be interviewed kind of almost like a um, uh, Howard Stern uh-huh. kind of interview, you know? Yeah. Like for a radio, you would assume. Mm-hmm. So she finishes up with that and you basically see her. She looks boss. She's got like her solid white pantsuit on, like her power suit. Yeah. She's got her big sunglasses on and she's like walking down the stairs, meeting Fran and like they've gotten married. They got this huge house now, this like tons of wealth. Wow. And then you see... Dun, dun, dun. Mm. You see a gun and it's being held by <laughs> a gun being held by Felstrom, who, if you remember from the beginning of the movie, is the guy that she took the visitation rights from. He shoots her and says, you effing blah, 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 blah. You took my mom away from me. My mom died alone. And I was never allowed to see her before she died. So he kills her. And Fran is like, like catches her as she falls. And like she dies in her arms. So that's the end of the movie. (laughs) So yeah, very intense ending. I wasn't really sure how I wanted the movie to end. Obviously, I wanted everyone to like, you know, get what they were due because that's just the kind of person I am. I like things wrapped up in a nice bow where everybody gets what they deserve sometimes. So it's kind of interesting because again, I am not an expert, but this is kind of what I got from it was that the end of the movie is kind of like the beginning. You have the predator and the prey and you would think that the Russian mafia people would be the predator, but really the prey, as in Feldstrom, the guy from the beginning of the movie, is more so seen as the prey because he was taken away his mother and the, you know, the visitation rights and all this stuff. And she was basically killed by the prey. So like the roles had been reversed. So I thought that was really interesting. So a few themes that like this entire time I've talked about predator versus prey. I feel like that's a big, a big one, kind of like a big symbol that she's almost seen like a helper, but really she's just like a parasite feeding off of other people. There are several themes about females in power and how that makes men uncomfortable and makes other women uncomfortable having a female in some sort of power position. And then Last, I feel like this is very applicable considering recent documentaries and podcasts and everything on Britney Spears and her legal situation. Obviously, it's very different. I mean, again, I am not a legal expert, so I don't know the difference between conservatorships and legal guardianships professionally and all that jazz. And obviously, we don't know all the details of everything, but I felt almost like it had similar, like you know, you kind of get the feeling that people are getting taken advantage of and that there are some holes 
in the healthcare system and in the, in the legal system in some ways. So I kind of got that vibe from that as well. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know like what to say because honestly that took so many turns. And I mean, by watching the trailer, I could tell a lot was going on and it w- it had that thriller vibe, but like it even had more layers that you were talking about. It sounds like every which way something big was happening or the plot was changing yes. and you had to try to keep up. I wasn't really expecting her to die at the end. I was thinking I was thinking maybe she would get like caught like with the fraud and stuff mm-hmm. and end up in prison or maybe the Peter Dinklage would turn on hit her again. Right. But wow, talk about full circle. Right. It's true. Mm. It's crazy. Dang. <laughs> wow. And even like knowing all this, I'm sure watching it it would be even more exciting to see it actually play out. Yeah, it was. And I don't even think that I watched the trailer before, other than like, you know, when it like automatically plays on Netflix or whatever. But I did know that it was a thriller in some degree. But other than that, I really didn't know too much. Yeah. So that made it more fun, I feel, just literally not knowing anything. Yeah, it's fun when you don't know what at all to expect. Wow. It sounds really <laughs> entertaining, though. It was. I mean, there there was definitely not a, like, boring part of the movie, I feel like. And yeah. I'm not really the kind of person who, like, tries to predict what's going to happen in a movie. I, I, I think I've talked about this before. I usually just consume it, and I'm just like, wow, that, that happened. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. But I feel like in this case, I was going to be very much annoyed if the movie ended with her like leaving the radio station and she and Fran like drive off into the sunset and I'm like ugh like I got no sense of like yes like but like I thought like you I thought it was going to be something along that yeah something legally happens to where she's basically figured out or the mafia would somehow figure out a way to like push her out of the company and basically like discredit her in some way is kind yeah. of what I figured would happen. But mm-hmm. yeah, she died. So did not see that coming. <laughs> wow. And that's one of those movies I feel like where everybody's kind of a bad guy. It's like. Yes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> she started out the bad person. But then maybe you're kind of like, well, is she going to get out of this one? Because they're coming for her. But at the same time, like you're still bad. Like. Yes, literally everyone in this movie, you're like, wow, all of you people are horrible. There are no (laughs) redeemable people. (laughs) Because it's like, oh my gosh, like some of them have good qualities, I guess. Like, you know, Roman loves his mother, which is good. But also like, he's like tortured people. So that's not very good either. Yeah, exactly. So many layers. I don't know why, because it's not the same. I don't know why I got, like, as you were describing, I don't know why I got Elizabeth Holmes vibes. Like, the lady with the pill, you know, that was the fraudulent thing. That's hilarious that you said that. Sorry, her name, like, didn't ring a bell at first. But yes, that's exactly what I thought of, especially since it has to do with the healthcare profession. And then, like, her getting so big and... Mm-hmm. like in the realm of like the news and like people are like wow you've like 
revolutionized, blah, 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 blah. That's how I felt too. Yeah. And the Forbes magazine. Yes. Mm-hmm. All that attention. Yeah. It really made me think of that. Obviously, it's a different circumstance with the Elizabeth Holmes stuff. And if you're unfamiliar with that story, then there's a whole podcast on it called The Dropout. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's just a really fascinating story. I've watched the documentary as well and it's just a crazy story that made me think of it like a really powerful woman about the same age just Mm -hmm. kind of like scamming so many people but making millions of dollars and being you know famous and lauded and all that wow very interesting I'm interested to watch it I think maybe I will when I'm in the mood for that kind of crazy unpredictable thriller yeah yeah it's good I mean I'm not the kind of person to like rewatch thrillers I feel like they kind of lose something after you watch it you know uh-huh. Uh, so it's definitely not my favorite thriller I've ever seen, but it is very good and it definitely catches your attention the whole time. Yeah, if you want to watch it, I mean, it's way more intense in comparison to me talking about <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> and of course, there are details that I left out, which can be a little surprises for you, I guess. Well, even while you were describing it, I was like enthralled by what you were saying. So, well, thank you. You did a very good job. You're welcome. <laughs> you did a great job explaining the plot, and it held my attention. So, I'm sure the movie, even more so, is grabbing people. I would like to see her in this type of role because I haven't seen Gone Girl. Obviously, that's like a different plot, but you know, a more serious or thriller type thing. Yeah. I have seen Gone Girl, and it is very good and she does a very good job so Mm -hmm. she's a great actress I mean I feel like yeah she has so many different hats that she's worn and she I feel like has succeeded in all of them yeah she's very versatile as we're seeing Mm -hmm. go Jane get a girl (laughs) (laughs) we love her yes well thank you so much for listening to this episode of pop culture on the rocks we care about you a lot and we, we are not going to commit any frauds so we truly mean it <laughs> when we say we care about you a lot definitely let us know what you think about this episode by rating and reviewing this episode feel free to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes that we have coming out and let us know just what you're doing what you recommend we love drink recommendations. We love show recommendations. If you have a question about The Amazing Race, you're like, okay, you say you want to go on this, but like, do you think you could do this XYZ? We want to hear. So interact with us on social media. We are pretty active on <laughs> Twitter sometimes. Uh, very much <laughs> active on Instagram. And we have an email address. So we definitely want to hear you from you. We recently got a Discord. So we're very excited about that. I feel like that's a great way for us to connect with you and also other listeners. We can all just have a cool montage party together and talk about random pop culture stuff. Like, that sounds great, doesn't it? So hit us up. We greatly appreciate your love and support. And tell your friends and all that jazz. Until next time. I'm Anna. I'm Callan, and I will hold on to the afterglow.